You're listening to Pod Wars with Gary and Justice. Hey guys, this is Gary, and welcome to another episode of Pod Wars. On Pod Wars, we'd like to dissect Star Wars, Marvel, and our favorite little nuggets of geeky media. I am here today with my co-host, voted the hottest face in podcasting, my boy Justice. Oh, that was actually a really nice comment. Thank you, Gary. It is not because this is an entirely vocal medium. But anyways, we also have on the show our friends from Pizza and Parsecs and the Red 5 Network, Dave and Liv. How are you guys doing today? Hey, fam. How's it going? Happy to be here. Very grateful that you have had us on to talk about all things Star Wars. We would love geeking out with y'all. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks. I don't know why I sounded like that. <laughs> Can we get one of you guys to say, what's up, Pod Nation? What up, Pod Nation? <laughs> I don't know why we started saying that on this podcast, dude. Yeah, it's not even like we have a nation. It's just it's just fun to say. It's it's very uh it's it's very uh what is it? It's very uniting in these trying times. Right. It's important right, to feel like you're a part of something, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. What are we doing today? I'm sure you read the title of the podcast. We are covering the soul run. I'm hyped. Liv is hyped. Dave is hyped. Gary is hyped. We're all hyped because if you couldn't tell from the last one, last podcast, you know, the, the Gillian run, it's it's good. It's it's Star Wars. It's Darth Vader. But if I had to say, like, the best Star- Darth Vader moments, you have the Rogue One scene, you have the Empire Strikes Back, and then you have Soul's run. Now, you guys can argue with that, but that's my personal opinion when it comes to Darth Vader content. The Soul Run is probably one of the best quality work you'll see from Star Wars, in my opinion. I mean, I'm biased as somebody who loves the prequels, and this has a lot of prequels flavor in it. But it gives you, well, I mean, kind of the best of both worlds. A little bit of prequels, a little bit of original trilogy, and a lot of just amazing Darth Vader. Testify. Preach it. This this run is so good. I'm I'm really really fired up to dive into this. Liv, you got any uh, any thoughts? Well, I might be the unpopular. No, I'm just kidding. I actually really really liked this run. Um, I'm really excited. I for me one of the really cool things about Star Wars and where I come from just as like a little history lesson on live is I see such a spiritual connection with Vader and then getting to read kind of his beginnings of Vader really just solidified a lot of those spiritual connections that I saw throughout um, the OG trilogy and even the prequels. So I, I really liked this kind of not tied on both ends to bring the two pieces together um, in that sense. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. All right, let me start the stage. What's going on? The first arc is called The Chosen One. Wonder why. Anyway, so we got... Basically, it opens with the end of episode three. You get a rehash of the Vader coming with a suit and him with the epic screaming of no. And then something that you don't see in the movies is Vader uses the Force and he blasts everything in the room, including Palpatine. And Palpatine did not like that. Um, he actually forced or like electrocutes uh, Vader for doing it. <laughs> I love that scene. It just redeems so much of the awkwardness from episode three. It was, I, I mean, it, it completely 
Not that that scene really ruined Revenge of the Sith for me or anything like that. I'm not one of those people that thinks that it did, but it definitely changed the way that I watch that final scene. Like it was really, I thought it was really profound the way that they explored what they have, what, what happened during the no scene. And then the way Palpatine like kicks him while he's down too. Like after, after, uh, you know, Palpatine, he force lightnings him and then mockingly tells him, why don't you defend me with your lightsaber? <laughs> like he knows that he doesn't have his lightsaber. A, he doesn't have any arms anymore. And he's trying to, he's trying, he just got out of surgery. And B, he knows that he lost it in the fight with Obi-Wan. And he's just kicking him while he's down. And that just really speaks to like, this is how this relationship is going to (laughs) go. Yeah. Like you're, and you even get like the, like, it's not just kind of like a nice, like shot color electrocution. Like you get return of the Jedi style, like electrocution. Like you see Vader's skull, like in the comic, like that cool scene. It's, it's brutal, brutal. Like, you know, who's the apprentice and who's the master. Um, Vader definitely overstepped his bounds. Um, but what goes on in this this first issue, like like you were talking about, Dave, Vader needs to create his own lightsaber. And there's something that I love about this soul run is that Charles does a very good job of like, I wouldn't say retconning, but it, like expanding or bleeding through these ideas of what does it mean to, you know, what does it like mean to be a Sith Lord or how to create a lightsaber? And so Vader is sent to go craft his own lightsaber. And I just love it. I, I, I guys, I, I don't know if I'm going to say it, I love it a hundred times. So um, Gary, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's just, it's a great way to introduce the new version of Anakin as Vader and that he's not just getting a lightsaber. He's earning it by killing a Jedi it shows the like ferociousness of the character and kind of gives more Star Wars lore with that kyber crystal and why it's different when it turns red. Yes, he's got to make the kyber crystal bleed, which is one of the most metal things in the world when it comes to Star Wars. Making a, a living being, or not a living being, like a living force object, causing it pain, so that you can craft it to form something evil is just one of the coolest things, coolest concepts that I think has been introduced in this, uh, this run. So Vader goes and he, instead of, you know, being normal, cool, he was just, you know, with the clones or whatnot to, he's got to find the Jedi and like, they just purged all the Jedi. So they're kind of hard to come by right now. Um, and he goes and attacks like a clone base, which I thought was super interesting. That's how he like gets his information Instead of, you know, just like nicely landing and be like, yo, guys, we just served together. He's like starts wrecking dudes. And it's like not just like if you read the comic, like there's like it's visceral, like blood is flying everywhere when he's slashing them with like this lightsaber that he randomly found on the base. It's definitely very uh, brutal in his uh, in that in that first initial sequence. One of the things that I liked about that, like just briefly, briefly jumping back a bit was that 
you know, we, we don't have a whole lot of insight into what the beginning stages of what does it mean to be a Sith apprentice? What does that look like? We get a little bit of that with the Clone Wars between what we see with uh, Savage and Dooku and a little bit with, I guess, Savage and Ventress a little bit too as well. But this, you really get to explore that dynamic in a more modern setting and figure out, see, see what actually goes on during that. And that I just, I just thought that was so, so interesting. Like Gary was talking about, you know, that, that lore behind it and, you know, then jumping into, you know, this first encounter with part of Anakin's own lore, most of his life, most of his defining Jedi life was with these clones and then he opens it with such brutality. It was I'm trying to think of a word other than brutal because I've used that like 17 times now. But it was. It was it was straight up brutal to people that he once considered his allies and his friends. You know, we we look through Clone Wars and we see the connection that Anakin has with these clones. And then here we are in a it, brutal is the best word. I'm affirming you. Brutal is literally the best word because for me, that was a, such a heart wrenching moment because I, I remember, cause I just finished Clone Wars. I'm now starting Rebels and seeing that heart shift with Anakin just, it made me, it made me really sad. Not to put you on the, the spot with, but what I want to hear you try pronouncing the Jedi that Darth Vader finds. What's his name? Are you serious? You really want me to do that? You are listening to our podcast. I'm, I'm listening. I'm waiting. Do you want the full name or just like the last name? We want his good full Christian name. Good full Christian name. Okay. Uh, Kirak Infila. 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 That's yeah. the. There you go. Kirak. His friends just call him Kiri. Kiri, okay. <laughs> Sorry wow. to put on the spot. I just <laughs> Remember that thing about not having shame? Yeah. <laughs> Only time I feel shame is when I can't pronounce a name because I'm a dance teacher. And when I stand up there and I can't pronounce a kid's name, I feel bad. That's it. That's the uh, only time. <laughs> but, okay, so Vader goes to this clone, this base. He, His droid and him figure out that there is this Jedi... I'm going to go with Infula. I don't know. It's like Chick-fil-A, but kind of a little bit Infula. Um, <laughs> he has taken the bearish vow, which basically means that it's penance, where you swear away anything from all Jedi Order activities and you focus only on the Force. So that's why he didn't go and help the Jedi when Order 66 happened. He definitely felt the pain of everything, but he chose not to... He chose not to interact because of this vow that he took. I also just really love, too, that like when he finds this information, the clones throw a grenade and Darth Vader like stops it and it's like from the from the exploding, kind of like Kylo Ren with the bullet in episode seven. And then they're like, he's a Jedi, he's not gonna do anything. And Darth Vader's like, no, you're wrong, and then like snaps their necks and then like moves on. <laughs> it shows how incredible his force power really is. Like, I can't stress enough with all these Vader comics that what you see of Vader in just the films is barely a taste of what he actually is as a character. And I love how Vader's depicted in the films, but like his fights in there are nothing compared to what you see of Vader in the comics. 
one thing that I, I definitely agree with that, but one thing that I really like about this is, especially with the soul run is that it's really awesome to see how people were actually introduced to this new character on the scene. This new player has entered the game. Who is this Vader? People don't really know who he is yet. And how did they come to fear him? Well, this run articulates how people came to fear him for the reasons we just talked about, you know, snapping, snapping these clones next, just like that on, on a whim. <laughs> like well, it, it really does a good job with saying, this is why you should fear Vader. And then that's why so many people do fear Vader in the original trilogy. Right. I never really thought about the, the idea that like, these guys don't know who Anakin, like Anakin is Vader. Well, most, most people don't. So like, you're right. Like this is a totally new like player being introduced, like Palpatine, like all the people who are trying to get like their, their hands on this power, like, and then Vader just like snatches it. And like, you know, is this ultimate, like this, this like imposable like force or whatnot. And he, like you, you just like, you get to see through this, how he just wrecks absolute havoc and like, why like you see in rebels and in you know other books and in the movies like all the people are just like oh that's vader like it's like hush like it's like he should not be named kind of thing like when they're talking about vader but you also get like i don't think there's like one part in this whole run where it's not like like soul doesn't skip a beat like it's action-packed from one thing to another you go and he finally meets this Chick-fil-A. <laughs> um, We're going to call him that from now on. Yeah, Chick-fil-A <laughs> Jedi. And he's... The reason he's taking penance is because he didn't want to learn anything about diplomacy. He didn't want to learn anything about, you know, the knowledge of the Jedi arts or, you know, be like a good goody two-shoes Jedi. He's there because all he wants to do is fight and cause violence and use his lightsaber to destroy people. And that's the kind of Jedi that I could appreciate. And so he, and he like, he's cool. He looks cool too. Like he's got this, like, he looks human, but he's got like a gray skin. And like, he's got this, like two huge slashes across his body that make this X. Like, you know, he's gone through some crap and, and a sweet beard and like double man bun. He's not just man bunning. He's double man bunning. He's got flow for days. He reminded me of Rambo if he put his hair up. Yes, yes. So, Big Stallone fan. So they uh, they have a battle, and it, it's pretty interesting because I liked it too. Like I the I think you, the the hard thing about describing comics is like you can't really see what's going on. Like you can hear us describing it, but like Vader gets messed up by this Jedi. Like it's not like Vader just like walks in and defeats him. Like his armor pieces like get like ripped away like his leg gets chopped off again he gets thrown off the side of a, like a rock and with another droid and the droid's like haha like you're defeated and vader's kind of like the ultimate big middle finger to this droid uses pieces of the droid to like rebuild himself and you know like like with the clones vader's uh he he kind of cheats when it comes to defeating this jedi he uh what do you what <laughs> gary you want to explain what happens so well first i have to highlight classic star wars style vader falls into an endless pit and of course he survives so we got darth maul we got palps and we have vader who all fall into a pit and somehow survive and boba fett but, apparently 
and Boba Fett, apparently. So, what is that? Um, four for Star Wars, zero for the Endless Pits. Now, Vader kind of cheats like Justice says, but in a way that is cool and, again, shows his brutality. That's kind of our buzzword for today. Drink every time we say brutality. And he has the Jedi, he confronts him again, and basically threatens to destroy the entire village right where the Jedi is. And the Jedi's trying to stop the village from being destroyed while also fight Vader, and he can't necessarily do both. So Vader ends up using the Force to kill the Jedi, and then from there, after the Jedi is dead, he decides, I'm not going to spare the city either, and just floods it. Liv, I wanna I wanna hear what are your uh, this your thoughts on this uh this part. Um, well, first off, I really enjoyed kind of humanizing Vader, um, and it just kind of reminds us how new he is to his suit because I felt like throughout this entire journey he did struggle and he did have to fight his way through, which we're not really accustomed to seeing Vader having to kind of struggle in in fighting because he is this big bad guy um so i really appreciated this still amateur sith lord um that they were kind of depicting but towards the end it, it definitely did show his true evil dark side destroying chick-fil-a and then the uh, actual headquarters itself you know and, and flooding the headquarters of of where chick-fil-a lived I like how we we adapted this, and I hope the the Star Wars fan community starts calling him that. Oh yeah, and if not, come at me. I'm not afraid of mean <laughs> comments. What were you gonna say, Dave? Oh no, I was I was just gonna echo that. I I also really appreciated that. You know, we do get to see a Vader that's struggle busting it a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, he does have that initial fall. He isn't almighty and all powerful to begin with. What I liked about this is I see it as a struggle on two fronts. One is that that you mentioned, you know, he is getting used to his new mechanical body, but also on to some degree, I feel like he's also still coming to terms with this new path that he's embarking on as well. So I think it's this initial kerfuffle with Chick-fil-A here was did a good job of articulating both of those things for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think you get like a really good, like cap on this whole arc where he goes back to Mustafar, which has to be one of the most like grueling and painful things to make this lightsaber, to take the ky- Kyber crystal to one of like the areas that, you know, really like has like, I mean, Tatooine's a big in part, our part on uh, Anakin's life, but like, this really is a significant, um, you know, like this this planet has a lot to him, a lot of anger, a lot of hate. And he uses that anger and, and hate uh, to make this kyber crystal bleed. Originally, he the kyber crystal wins, but then Vader's kind of like, like he has like these like flashbacks of like all the things that really piss him off. And he he goes at it and totally makes that kyber crystal his. Yeah. clean podcast yo (laughs) I I love with that part I mean I think Liv mentioned before how kind of Vader has these glimpses of him and his kind of like how it's parallels to faith in that 
when he tries to make the kyber crystal bleed, he kind of fantasizes about what it would be like if he repented and just came back to the light right then and there. And it's kind of a scene where you wish, like, wow, I wish I lived in a place where this was the Star Wars universe and I could see how this story played out. Because Vader kills Palpatine, goes back to Obi-Wan, and you get this intense part where Obi-Wan's about to strike him down and then takes out his lightsaber, stops igniting it, and you just hear Anakin saying, please. It's just this incredibly intense moment of Anakin basically repenting to Obi-Wan, but then you follow to the next page, and Vader is fully embracing the dark side, the sin within him, and just kind of reveling in it and refusing to get into that repentance. It's both awesome and incredibly tragic, which is basically how I'd sum up Vader. Right. And to end up the to end this uh this arc, you have Vader coming back to Coruscant, you know, showing Palpatine all that he's accomplished. But you're also introduced to a really key group. Um many of you Star Wars fans know who they are, the Inquisitors. Darth Vader has a fight with the Grand Inquisitor, which I think is something that, you know, a lot of people would have loved to see, you know, on Rebels, but you get to a really nice vision of it in in the comic. And of course, it's Vader. He wrecks the crap out of him. It's not even like a competition. Like Vader, like still, like, you know, he's still getting used to the suit, so he kind of takes a couple hits, but like Vader just like sticks his lightsaber right in between like where it's the spins and just like snaps it in half and Palpatine has to stop them from killing him because, you know, Vader's just this brutal monster at the moment. Brutal. Take a drink. (laughs) And Liv, you told us that uh, you just started watching Rebels. How is it for somebody who wasn't familiar with Rebels as much kind of seeing the Inquisitors? Um, It was, honestly, it was like a little confusing at first because I was like, okay, this, you know, I've been molded and shaped in Star Wars to believe that, you know, there's the, there's the rule of two with one master, one apprentice. And then all of a sudden here are these, there's a bunch of other crazy people with red lightsabers who are not Jedis, but not Sith. And they're, they're not vigilantes they're not bounty hunters, but it was, I really enjoyed learning about this new army that kind of, you know, and this kind of contradicts what I said about the other run, just this, this, not like, hold on, words. Palpatine not trusting Vader enough. So he had like these backup plans. That's how I saw the Inquisitors. It's just this like, okay, well, you might die because you may suck a little bit. Like, who knows? So let me go ahead and have my hand over here in this pot just in case you real mess up. That's how I saw the Inquisitors at first. But I would argue that like it's opposite where like because in the in the Gillian run, Vader doesn't get to control them like as he does with the Inquisitors. Like Vader trains them to the point where if they fail, Vader fails. Whereas in the the Gillian run, it's very much the idea of that like Palpatine doesn't trust him anymore and is like, yo, like if you die, these are gonna be my next apprentices. I don't know. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it just, for me, it all has to do with timeline. You know, like, yeah, Vader is responsible to some extent for the Death Star being destroyed. And 
Sidious is really taking it out on him. Um, whereas here, Vader really hasn't had an opportunity to even prove himself. You know, he's he's still brand new to being a Sith Lord, and Palpatine Sidious is already showing his distrust in the potential choice that he had. Like he groomed Anakin to be Vader and yet still has these inquisitors that are like, you know, Oh, you can train them because you're actually really, really strong, but I still don't trust you enough to not have a, a backup plan. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I, what were you going to say, Dave? No, I, I just jump in real quick. I think Google was initially confusing when I was first introduced to the concept of inquisitors and rebels a while ago was that you're you're used to only seeing obviously we talked about the rule two here and with force wielders there's certain iconography that you're used to seeing and you're seeing a lot more of that that seems that initially seems to violate that rule of two mm-hmm. and i think viol- the way that it violated the 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 preconceptions I had with the rule of two mm. is where I was initially kind of confused with the with the inquisitors, but the more I dug into it, the more I I loved the concept of the inquisitors, for sure. Right, and just for those who don't know, the inquisitors are people that were former Jedi or Force users. They're not Sith, but they basically their job is to go out and. Um, kill the Jedi that survived Order 66. So moving on to the Dying Light arc. This arc, you just got to say, if you're a fan of the Jedi Temple, you're going to want to read this. There's some really cool Jedi Temple aspects to it. Also, if you want to know who the librarian is, you're going to want to read this because I've always wanted to know about Jocasta Nu. Not really. Um, but... Uh, I've, I've always wanted to see her die because she's really annoying in episode two, dude. Well, so, no, I, like, I kind I of agree. appreciate it. <laughs> but Charles Soule, again, like he does with all his comics that he writes, he makes Jocasta New a really cool character, which is really funny to say. That Now that it's coming out of my mouth, it's uh, he, he, he makes her interesting. But, again, like I said, Vader is tasked with training these these inquisitors and my favorite part about it, you live, I know this is your favorite part, but he basically like amputates and, or, you know, takes a piece of them from each inquisitor. Like he stabs one in the eye, he cuts one of their arms off, like just, just to remind them like what pain is so that they like grow from it, which is totally a Vader thing. I mean, they were missing limbs. There were limbs being cut off. Of course I loved that part. <laughs> But why is this arc interesting? Because Sidious needs information from the Jedi Archive. And who only is one of the most knowledgeable people about the Jedi Archive? Jocasta Nu. And I know you guys are all thinking, man, what happened to the librarian when Anakin went and attacked? Well, she somehow made it out, which is really surprising. And she's been making hella amount of holocrons because she's trying to make a school which, cool flashback and also comic that came out. Um, there's a scene where Luke finds this school that she makes, which is mentioned in 
the Kylo Ren story that Charles Soule's right, and he's currently writing the Star Wars uh, comic. So y'all need to get on this this Charles Soule's bandwagon right now and start reading all his stuff. Anyway, back to the Darth Vader story. I digress. Yeah, Jocasta New is surprisingly awesome in this comic. Um, so, like Justice mentioned, she's basically stockpiling all of the Jedi archives from memory into holocrons because she knows that the Emperor is currently in charge of the library. So she's trying to preserve the Jedi Order, and this kind of answers the question of, all right, how did Luke become stronger in the Force without any extra knowledge, especially since all his mentors died? And this shows how he was able to. He found her stockpile of knowledge and was basically privy to most of the information he would have had if he grew up in the Jedi Temple. Right. Um, but there's one piece of information that she needs to complete the school, and that's why she goes back to the Jedi Temple, and that is a list of all the Force-sensitive children in the galaxy, and she does not want that to fall into Darth Sidious' hands, so she goes back. And I, I've always been really interested in the Jedi Temple. That's why I really like the Dooku book, and I really like the Master and Apprentice book. So you get, like, just seeing it being drawn more, uh, the, the the archives and the Jedi Temple. I, I loved it. I mean, one of my favorite scenes is definitely not when Anakin kills the younglings, but when the clones are killing all the, 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 the Jedi, I think that's really cool. But, you know, she goes and she has, like, these secret passages that she gets, she that goes to get in, which is super awesome. And she gets into this one secret room, and in there are Sith holocrons. There is a, we'll get to it later, but there's a helmet that was used by a past Sith Lord, and there's a droid that is able to stop lightsaber throws, which is incredible in my opinion. And like she has the archives in there. But she's got to be stupid, because I don't know if you guys felt this while reading this whole comic, but like Vader, the Grand Inquisitor, Palpatine all say really awful things about Jocasta New. And, like, Palpatine calls her, like, a witch. Like, to me, it was, like, three white men being really mad at this old woman. I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> I'm going to let Liv jump in, because I know she loves Jocasta New. I really do, though. Like, that's not even sarcasm. Like, I've always really liked her. So my heart hurts a little bit right now. I've got the the unpopular opinion <laughs> again. No, I I really enjoyed I think this was probably my favorite of the of the four like sections for arcs as far as this run goes just because I yeah, I know people find Jocasta new annoying and yeah, like but aren't all librarians? No offense to librarians out there, but like aren't they all kind of like sticklers to the rules and want to have things a certain way? But I, I really did enjoy seeing her fight, you know, and I, I really enjoyed seeing her defend what she held dear to her. To me, she was the last little piece of the Jedi Temple and and of Order 66 and like that Jedi Order that I fell in love with. And it was probably the only part of the prequels that I fell in love with left and and getting to see her kind of be the the big hero for a moment was was really I really appreciated that and I really enjoyed it. I actually read that one twice. I put it down and then picked it right back up. I was like I need to read that again because that was just so dope. 
it is really cool. And, and Charles does a really good job of writing her as a character. She makes, he makes her very interesting. The one flaw with her though, is that she loves her archives way too much and can't stand the fact that the grand inquisitor is reading from these books, gaining this knowledge. So she jumps down and starts to fight them. And grand inquisitor, Darth Vader, Jocasta new, they all have it out with each other. But one thing that I think I think makes Jocasta new like super cool is that she gets this rifle, and that's just yes. any rifle. It's a rifle that ammo is used by her lightsaber, guys. That's it, dope. It literally shoots beams of kyber crystals at Vader, and he's like, oh, he like him trying to dodge it, like and get hit is like, I think a super funny part. Like he's like, oh gosh, and like like falls away from it. Yeah, it's like a something you'd almost see in like Halo or something like that, where you're when you reload, you load like a power cell, but instead of a power cell, it's a just a full lightsaber. I was, it was one of the coolest things in there. I was like, oh, Jocasta got game though. Yeah. Well, and she also, she wasn't really skilled with the sword, right? She wasn't skilled with the lightsaber. They, they made that comment. So I was like reading it and was like, oh, what's she going to do? And then she pulls out this massive rifle. I'm like, okay, uh, if I were a Jedi, I totally probably would go that route and not like the sword wielding route because that's dope. Like it's so cool. It is. And it gets to the point where she like uses so much energy that her lightsaber lightsaber literally melts away. That's how powerful this whole weapon is. Like like Darth Vader's not even able to like really block it. That's how powerful it is. And it gets to the point where like she's like, all right, I need a way out, and like a wall, like a whole blast out of there and the clones are surrounded the temple and they start firing at her and like we were talking about earlier like there no one really tells the clones that vader is on the empire side so they start like shooting at vader as well and i feel really bad for the red commander clone because he's like oh my gosh we need to hurry over there right now to tell the clones to stop and vader hops into the ship and is like snaps his neck because he's like no one told you you didn't tell anyone that like I'm on your guys' side. And I was like, oh, poor clone. <laughs> like, Bless his heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bless his poor little clone heart. Bless you know, his heart. He was, he, was just, he was just trying. And yeah, and like he, he wanted to do the right thing. But yeah, so the, the story ends with Jocasta New trying to like fall into a pit. But like everything trying to fall in the pit, Vader, you know, stops her, brings her in. And she she's sneaky though. Like, like, Palpatine calls her a witch and you know, she, she, you know, she's got that power where she's like, she's sly and she's cunning and she reveals that she knows that he's Anakin. And so instead of like letting her live her life out, he just like blows the ship up and kills her and takes the data card and like crushes it. Um, even apart before that too, I love, I mean, well, partly I'm more heartbroken with the, part where Jocasta New decides to destroy the entire archives and delete everything. And, I mean, you can just see the pain on her face with that. It made me definitely feel for her and also kind of gets past the idea of how did the Sith not discover all these incredible secrets is because Jocasta New destroyed the whole library. Yeah, and, you know, this list of Force-sensitive children is... is not an unfamiliar concept if you watch the animated Star Wars television shows, but I did really like and appreciate that Vader destroyed that. 
you know, in the, in the wake of a, a conversation that he had with Sidious and Sidious is asking him, Hey, did you find out anything? And he's like, nah, man. And then he crushes it. I, I, I like that. I liked seeing a little bit of that in there. Totally. Again, like it's, it's again, seeding that, uh, like starting seeds of the plot of like Darth Vader kind of, you know, keeping secrets from Palpatine because he, uh, ultimately, you know, the rule too, he's got to take him out at some point. So the more information he can keep to himself, the better. So the next arc is the rule of five. This one, I feel like it's, it's interesting because you get a lot of interactions with the inquisitors, specifically the ninth sister. And if you've seen, if you played, sorry, if you've seen the show and if you played Jedi fallen order, you know who that is. I think this arc is really important because so Vader gets attacked by some assassins and he's trying to figure out who is doing this attack. And that, that attack scene where he goes into the cantina and they attack him, like, again, we're going to use the word brutal. He, he like, you, like the, the assassins put up shields and he takes literal people and like throws them like they're like blocks and like tries to crush the shields with them. And like, they're like, you could tell like their faces are getting like implanted against the, the, the shields. Very crazy. But I think this is the arc where, you finally see the Empire recognize that Vader is this foe that is not to be messed with. Yeah, it's it's where he gets his official standing. Like, no more of this, hey, this guy's a forcey kind of dude. Maybe we should listen to him. But no, it, like Emperor straight up comes out and says, This is this is this is my guy right here. And yeah. he's legit, as evidenced by these five dudes that he's gonna kill just now for at random <laughs> yeah it's it's super funny like vader or Palpatine's like keep tarkin alive and then like he has all of like the officers in front of him and and the he like names these five people and then he just like force chokes them and they all die like guys we can't i don't know how many times we have to explain to you like the things vader does is so intense and so like just adding to this like myth like this 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 character arc this mythos of like who vader is it's moments like that that i have a very similar reaction to when i watched the closing sequence of rogue one i'm just like oh snap <laughs> like this is this is vader, like vader coming into his own at the, in this moment like i love that i mean it's 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 sad of course but it's awesome <laughs> for sure do you guys have anything else that you guys want to talk about um with the this arc we got to talk about his meditation scenes because i think those are an incredible just depiction of what it's like for a dark side user to meditate in the force i know you had a oh, good sure. point you were bringing to me justice about the butterflies yeah so all right so like i'm gonna try to explain what we're talking about when this meditation but like when Vader is meditating, he goes into this like other plane where it's his body is floating, but like it's he's not in his suit anymore. It's just like this this character and like the pieces that are his human body are this red and black swirls like of anger, hate, rage, whatever you call it. And then like the parts that are cut off that are robotic are like these like these pieces of like blue that like because there's no force there. But one of the things I want to ask you guys is like, there's parts where he's meditating and it's like red skies, red, like sea, like very evil-esque nature to it. But then there's like these like 
blue butterflies going around. Like, do you think that's like elements of good that are trying to like plant seeds into Vader as he's meditating? Yes. So Dave and I actually just had a conversation about this earlier today. I think one of the parts that I really, really loved about seeing his manifestation in meditation was actually the the color depictions, the use of blues, the uses of reds and blacks. Um, and, you know, it's very clear that his limbs have no force power, you know, and, and they are blue. But for me, it was, I was reading through it and I'm like, they're still good in him. Because while it may not be his humanized self, there's still a part of him that cannot turn. There's still a part of him that is now like formed to him that cannot be good, cannot be evil. It has to be this neutral stance. And those butterflies coming in just reinforces the the consistent dialogue that we hear um, throughout Revenge of the Sith and then into the OG trilogy of there's still good in him. There's still that light side in him. There's still that that humanity left. And while it may not be his humanized self, it in his meditation, it's, it's still there. You can't get rid of it. Yeah, it it's really awesome the way that they depict this this other plane. Because when you when you talk about the dark side, you talk about the you know dark side user being consumed mm-hmm. by the dark side. And if one was actually consumed by the dark side, you would imagine this plane to be all red and black but you have these very vibrant bursts of blue throughout it you know it it does match up and line up with his missing limbs and then you also have the butterflies as well but in my mind if he was truly consumed by the dark side all of it would be red and black i completely agree with you yeah yeah i i agree i just wanted to know what you guys thought because it's again the artist here did a great job of depicting, you know, the dark side, I think. It definitely was my favorite part of this entire arc was his meditation sequences and getting to see and almost feeling a little glim- like glimmer of hope inside of me of like, oh, there it is. That's, that's the part right there that throws Palpatine over the edge. It's still there. It's always been there. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about chapter 25. Like, I feel like the more main portion of this podcast is going to be on just like our, our number 25 in that like whole sequence. But before we get there, the next arc is called Burning Seas. And I think this this arc is really important. It's kind of like the in the Gillian run, the show, the show Turn War, where it's another war-esque arc, but it's all about, it's on Moncala. And the Moncala people are very vital and important in the whole, I feel like in the whole rebellion and just like the good side where, you know, in the, in the Clone Wars, we have King Lee Char and then in, you know, the original trilogy, we have Akbar. And so like this, this, I feel like this, um, this arc does a really good job of like getting us from prequels to original trilogy and how did the Moncala people get a part of the rebellion? And if you want this arc to be extra special, I would highly recommend recommend watching season four of Clone Wars episodes one through three, and you'll see more of that King Lee Char and kind of the preamble to this. And 
it gives you a lot there's a lot of easter eggs to these episodes from clone wars in this arc that makes it extra special to read right and and so like the the this arc is cool but so like why does the empire go here well because he wants to the 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 emperor wants to show his power and because the Moncala people have always been willing to fight against you know tyranny against what's right and wrong the palpatine wants to show that like hey like this is what happens when you go against us so you get like i i like this arc as well because you get you know tarkin is really heavily involved and you get to see his tactics and the way that like how smart he is and how resourceful he is i think when it comes to fighting someone so completely different with so many different styles of battle tactics yeah, this was this had sort of a similar spirit of you know in the in the prequels in general you could see the machinations of Palpatine and this was an arc where you got to see that with Tarkin which I that was one of my favorite parts about this arc was you got to see how he navigated this relationship like how can we quote unquote investigate Moncala without breaking our uh treaty or uh, agreement right with them and i i just thought it was a really interesting way how he navigated that and then that just that entire battle and getting to see how the uh, mon calamari defend themselves um na- namely the the use of a tsunami <laughs> to to ward everybody off with these huge whale like creatures like that was so cool that was really awesome i I liked that a lot yeah i i think it's i think it's super interesting i mean and and you also like so at this time vader's on the planet and so are the inquisitors and they're underground and you get to see like even though like a callback to how anakin was able to control the rhino in episode two he he gets in a battle with a squid and he's able to use the force to like ride this squid, which I thought was, I think is a cool little like Easter egg in itself. But like along with this battle going on, there's a whole other aspect to this. There's a Jedi on this planet and that's why Vader's there and the Inquisitors are there. And this Jedi is giving King Lee Char some ideas on like what he wants to do. And I- I'm going to go out and say this. I don't really think he's a Jedi. I think he's a little blinded. Yeah, he was a Padawan when 66 went down. Just because your superiors die doesn't give you a field promotion, you know? Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, he, I, in all seriousness, like he he didn't complete his training. He's still a Padawan. I know, I'm just making a joke. <laughs> but it is interesting that he is in that state and yet he's he kind of has his own apprentices as a padawan but are they really apprentices because like he uses the jedi mind trick to get them to join and i'm just like sitting there and i'm like no no jedi would want to use the force to convince someone to join his side or or to fight the empire like you want them to to want to join because they have you know they've experienced something now granted they all experience stuff and you get to see their these flashbacks but like he definitely influences them. That's fair. He's definitely sketch. He's got a lot of sketchiness to him. And you'll find out later in the comic as he's kind of 
the mastermind behind this for the greater good, but definitely not in a Jedi way. Right. So it gets to the point where like the the Inquisitors or Vader and the Inquisitors figure out where this Jedi is at. Um, they're going after him and his name is Master Bar, or that's what they call him. And he doesn't even think twice about saving these people. Like he's totally cool with them sacrificing themselves so he can get away. And my favorite part of this whole arc is when the Inquis it's the Inquisitors and they're finally confronting Master Bar and his last apprentice. And there are all these death troopers behind him. And he's like, I know who you guys are. I know that you guys are past Jedi. And he's like, and I know that those death troopers are past clones. And he lifts the helmets off of these troopers. And he's like, execute order 66. And I'm my, when I read that the first time, my mind was blown. I was like, holy crap. He did not just use the thing that destroyed the Jedi on these inquisitors. Like What? I got goosebumps when that happened. That was so awesome. Like, you know, we just talked about how quote unquote master bar is kind of a, a little bit of a sketch ball, but my respect for him went up so much when he pulled this move on the inquisitors and turned their own soldiers against them. Like, wow. Bravo. Bravo bar. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's such a good scene. Like I can't stress that enough. I mean it's it's great. They get away from it. And one of the things that I'm wondering is when does this fight take place in respect to Jedi Fallen Order? Because the sixth brother cuts the ninth sister's leg so that he could get away. He totally totally pulled like a um walking dead Sean or Shane move so that he could get away from the death troopers. So I'm wondering if, like, does she survive? They don't really kind of explain that. I was wondering that, too, especially as someone who lost a ton in that boss fight against her. I'm like, okay, where does this actually fit in? Right, yeah. that Her boss fight and the last boss fight kicked my butt. Uh, guys, have you played the, the video game? I've played, like, the first maybe, like, hour worth. I don't have it myself. I've been playing it on my brother's because he has the um, download content, so... Yeah, I'm in the process. I have not yet. It's on the to-do list. It's hard. It's not Dark Souls hard, but it's hard. It's so difficult. I love me some Bloodborne. Ooh, you're a Bloodborne guy? I am. Uh, Yeah. We should do a a podcast just totally talking about Dark Souls and Bloodborne and all that. Games that make you literally die inside? Yes. Y'all have fun. I've never played those. (laughs) I play Animal Crossing. (laughs) You get along with my wife. <laughs> All right. So how does this arc end? Basically, so Master Bar is still using the force. And I, I do believe what he says is true. He he keeps on telling King Leechar that like the the Moncala people will be a symbol of rebellion again among the galaxy. And that like when when he finally like reveals that he's the reason that the plot of uh, the the the, the the reason this whole war started, the, the, the an ambassador of the Imperial was leaving, and he blew up the ship. So that's why the whole war started. But he 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 goes on and he says something along the lines of like, "Yes, like millions of people or billions of people. Uh, sorry, yeah, uh, billions of people are going to die here, but trillions of people are going to you know join the rebellion because they see the Moncala ships in space, which like." is so not the Jedi way to, you know, get people to join the rebellion by sacrificing a whole planet. 
But if if what we're we're sitting here saying is true, he's not really a Jedi. So I think he can get away with it. You know, it's like I I see Bar more as like a vigilante or a Qui Gon. You know, yeah, like a Qui Gon maybe, where he kind of plays by his own rules and just he's willing to make sacrifices. Like he he yeah, like a Punisher. Like a Punisher. He's he's a charismatic. Attic Jedi, kind of <laughs> he kind of goes at his own whim. I like that. Or like a Deadpool. Yeah. All right. So before we get into the last arc, which is definitely like like that, this arc that arc means so much to me. But what we have a it it's called Bad Ground, and the second annual. And Bad Ground is really fun. Like if you if you're looking for like a really good story, I would totally suggest reading this one. What is what is Bad Ground? It's literally Darth Vader asking Tarkin to hunt him, which is like so crazy to me. It's like the most dangerous game, but Tarkin v. Vader. It, I loved that because most dangerous game was a, a story that I loved, loved reading in like middle school, high school. And then I get that with Star Wars. It was a blend of those two things and it was really dope to see. And it really... I, I like seeing the dynamic between Tarkin and Vader in general and sort of seeing how they can come to somewhat respect one another. Like, you know, recognizing that Tarkin has his own qualities that Vader can admire and then Tarkin recognizing Vader's potential as well. I, I liked the development between the two of them in background. I like that it gets to the point where like Tarkin does so many uses so many tactics to figure out like Vader's range of using the force, like realizing that Vader needs his lightsaber. Like he sacrifices men to, you know, get the lightsaber away to figure out how close he needs to be till Vader can force choke people. Like he is such a brilliant tactician. And unfortunately he has to use people to set like to figure it out. He like, he does it so brilliantly that like, in the end, they both like there's it's almost like an even draw, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get I can definitely see that. I, I I see it as an even draw between the two of them. Which also makes me wonder too, because Justice mentioned how he found kind of the limits of his force ability. So he mentioned that he had the limit to how far he could force choke. But then you see later in the original trilogy, Vader's like force choking over Skype, like halfway across the galaxy. So this must be kind of a underdeveloped power-wise for Vader. Like he's definitely not at his peak right now, I think, in my opinion. And that maybe that just because he's, you know, tired from being hunted, um, we don't know. But I do love how it ends where Vader and Tarkin are in the middle of like the I basically see like the Badlands or like these planes. And Tarkin like lands on his knees and is like looks like he's about to like submit. And Vader gets electrocuted by lightning. <laughs> Poor Vader, second time. And like Tarkin's like, haha, I won. And Vader like flicks his wrist and like is choking Tarkin. And that is like how it ends, like the battle where like Tarkin's like, I thought I had him, but I still like, I can't give up. Like I, I, I still always have to be on my toes when it comes to Vader. It's just a fun little story before we get into, you know, Fortress Vader. I'm going to quickly talk about Vader Annual. I don't know if you guys were able to read that. Um, but basically, there's sabotage going on in the Empire, and 
uh, one around Geonosis, and Vader thinks it's either Tarkin or Krennic trying to attack each other to get credit for the battle station. It ends up being that there is another queen still making, you know, eggs and using like sabotaging like all the plans so that the battle station can't be made. And basically, Vader goes and wrecks these Geonosians again. He he tends to wreck the Geonosians and he tends to wreck the Tuscan Raiders a lot. That poor planet can't catch I mean, a break. Everyone needs hobbies. <laughs> everyone needs hobbies. <laughs> you know, some people crochet, other people. Yeah. Uh, Commit genocide. <laughs> sterilize entire races it's fine all right guys can we get to the best part of the soul run in my opinion the the reason that i have a darth vader tattoo the the beautifulness that is the fortress vader comic run Mm, that means yes (laughs) (laughs) thank you the the grunts this the i know that that is the uh a sign of how much you like it as well. So, okay. So really quick recap, basically inquisitors are going after a Jedi as a, uh, as a Brock Jedi to be specific. And the inquisitors end up like forming an attachment. Vader doesn't like that. He goes after them. They cause ruckus throughout the city. A Senator dies and Palpatine's like, screw you guys. I'm done with it. You get your own planet. You're moving. And Vader's like, I want to go to Mustafar and that's where Fortress Vader really starts. Yeah. One of the, I mean th- this from page one of this, I was hooked because you know, I, the, the Zabrak are such interesting c- characters and they, they're very s- striking visually. And obviously we typically see Zabrak as, uh, as dark side users or as servants of the dark side, you know, we see a, b- a bunch on Dathomir serving the Night Sisters, and, and of course Maul Savage. But this is a Zabrak that is a oh, that was a Jedi, and not only that, but he sat on a on the council as well. So I thought that was a really really cool little addition here that they had, um, just right off the bat, opening up with such an interesting take on a historically evil maybe is not it's not the right word but it's the first word to come to mind like grittier yeah 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 i think i think that's a good word rough around a character that's rough around the edges and seeing them in this light and now he's retired as a priest <laughs> like that's I, I i thought that was really dope but you were definitely right. Like once, once they get to Mustafar, and you know Vader begins his construction plans on what his castle is going to look like, and then moment, oh man, moment that right. that entire thing. The the <laughs> fact that they introduce a whole Sith Lord's backstory into an arc is just amazing to me. Like it's so freaking cool. So basically. Palpatine gives Vader two gifts. He gives Padme's old chip, which is kind of like a middle finger, I feel like. And he also gives um, uh, Vader Lord Moment's helmet because it's going to give him, it's going to help him be able to build his castle. Vader is going to Mustafar because Mustafar has this dark side property that can like open, it's like a, they call it a force locus where it can open up 
the other side so that Vader can go into this dark side plane and he thinks that he can get Padme back from doing this. But he needs to build this castle to be able to get to that plane. And that's where Lord Moment comes in. Gary, what are your thoughts on this Sith Lord? He's he's a really cool Sith Lord. I was looking up to see what other sources because I could have sworn that he's been in other material besides this run. But he's he's interesting because instead of wanting to destroy his main focus is on creating he's kind of like a really intense evil version of frank lloyd wright and that's kind of how you got darth moment live i, w- I want to hear your thoughts on the the this uh this guy um i thought this whole arc would not have been possible without a backstory of moment um you know sometimes throwing in a character you know, last minute, we know this is the last piece of the puzzle. We know that we're coming to a con- you know conclusion throughout this particular series of comics and to throw a, a new Sith Lord or a new bad guy in the mix is kind of unheard of and kind of like, oh, you're just doing that for like clout or you're just trying to get people revved up for the big ending. But I couldn't I couldn't see any option or opportunity that didn't have him as a centerpiece. It it really rounded out the whole just building the fortress and creating that dark, the dark side door that Vader needed. He was he was really cool. I was I was really I was down for a backstory for him. Right. And I just want to give you guys a little like I have some notes on some of the things that he says in his backstory. He believes that pain and fear are the purest emotions and that when you make artwork, it should bring people to this place of being an animal where you're in your primal emotions. He never took an apprentice because there's too much to learn. And he believed that his true audience was the force and he would strive to build something worthy of grandeur of the dark side to become worthy. Basically, his claim to fame is he built a machine that would when he poured himself into the like it was basically like i don't know like a like a um the executioner or like a like a just a normal like imperial ship but like it would when he poured the force into it it could freeze time so that the people that were getting destroyed would be paused so that like the pain and the suffering that they were feeling would be paused in that moment so that like people could experience it for a long time which is so messed up if you think about it. And, you know, that kind of reminds me going back to going back to legends a bit and talking about like, that's how the Sith would sustain themselves is on that pain and on that fear and how in theory that would allow moment to live forever is if they were frozen in that moment in time, perpetually in that state of fear and pain, like that would mean moment could live forever and ever Mm -hmm. and not just be this disembodied spirit that haunts a mask right it really gave me a lot of legends vibes like kind of like dave said because um it reminded me a little bit of darth vitiate if y'all are uh big old republic fans who kind of just took up an entire planet's force power and a little bit of Darth Bane with the thought bomb of just, like Dave mentioned, that feeding off of the fear of a whole planet. And both of those really just gave me those kind of vibes for any of the Legends fans out there. Well, Darth Bane's not Legends, but I get what you're saying. Sorry. I just true, to throw that in there. true. 
No, but like I also think this arc is great because there are a lot of comedic elements to it where the reason Lord Moman, like, yes, he's a helmet. So you're like, how is this helmet communicating to him? When people put on the helmet, like the spirit of Lord Moman takes over and he's able to communicate with Vader. And so <laughs> there's this really funny scene where he's like, I can craft the castle in like the first time. And then you keep on reading the comic. He's like, I will finish the crafting it on the ninth time. And, and Vader's like, there won't be a 10th. Like, I will kill you. <laughs> like, it, it was almost sitcom how it, in the way that it kind of cut in between those two scenes, you would be like, all right, this time I really got it. And then cut to like the very next frame. He's saying that again and then again. And Vader's just getting progressively more and more fed up with it. <laughs> I, I definitely appreciated the humor in those moments. Yeah, me too. And then like another part to this arc is that when they're using, like they're, they're, the reason they have to keep on rebuild the castle is because they use the force to try to opening this door and like the, the Mustafar, like the lavas flare in the air, the tornadoes form, like lightning strikes, like the ground creaks and they can't like, they like they can't get it to where the castle is sustainable. So that's why they have to keep on rebuilding it. And the people on Mustafar, which I really like that they introduced Mustafarians is what I want to call them, and how they like control fire and the lava, and they're not down with the fact that the Empire and Darth Vader is there. And then they have those weird lava fleas, I guess. <laughs> that was th- those things just creeped me out. The fact that that, that one of the monsters that they sort of send after them are lava fleas oh for sure uh like they're they're gross like they just i guess picture like a like google flea and then multiply it times like 50 ultimately they're able to craft vader's famous castle that you have probably all seen if you're star wars fans and at the same time the uh, mustafarians all come together and they have like this final assault and Vader's like, I'm going to go and fight them. Moment, you stay here. And Moment being Moment, he opens the door and he brings his body back. And which is, I thought I really liked. And then you also get to see like the Mustafarians absolutely obliterate the Empire. And, you know, if it wasn't for Darth Vader being Darth Vader, I really think he would have gotten wrecked as well. Oh, for sure. And I think also just the pure power of his castle is what contributed a ton to it. It looks kind of like a tuning fork, but for the force, like with those two prongs at the top and those two towers as just feeding in that force energy. And I just found this here as a little tidbit for the listeners too. If you really like this arc with Momin, you can get a little bit more about him from the 2015 Lando run in which Lando actually (laughs) steals Palpatine's yacht and he finds Momin's helmet again there on the yacht. So there's a little nugget for you guys who are Momin fans. Whoa. That's dope. Gotta pick that up now. I'd never seen... uh, It's interesting that you pick that up, like visually... That was not something I caught on to, the fact that it looked like a tuning fork. That's really interesting. I like that. I just like all the oranges and the reds and the yellows that are going on. Like in the, the the color palette that's used in these last comics are so pretty. Like the it's it's just it's visually not as only like entertaining to read, but it's like entertaining just to like look at the art while on this whole arc. Yeah, it's stuff that you could like just put in a picture frame 
really. Like, take the captions out, and you could just put it in a, a picture frame. It's that kind of pretty. Right. I don't know. I'm colorblind, so I don't think I can admire it as much. Are you, like, <laughs> are you just, like, red and green, or are you... <laughs> Yeah, I I don't I have a hard time seeing shades of colors, so I usually just see blocks of like primary or dominant colors. We're actually the same kind of colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> my my cousin my cousin only sees black and white. Um luckily that's not the case for me. <laughs> or Dave. Well, well, take it from me the the art's very pretty. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> that's kind of oddly adorable that you're both the same type of colorblind. <laughs> yeah we go about it differently dave likes really bright colors and i wear black all the time <laughs> did you go through an emo phase growing up absolutely i did <laughs> shout out to all my mcr and AD, adtr fans hell yeah I, I, I saw adtr last summer they were uh, so dope i saw him with lincoln park with gary a couple years ago so uh, my first concert ever was lincoln park we should have Sorry, I don't mean to derail. <laughs> My bad. No, it's okay. Well, I mean, derailing talk- for Linkin Park is always warranted. Yes, R.A.P. Chester. Because in the end, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> All right. We're that gonna- was good. <laughs> now, now let's, let's get back to a comment that's burning in the skies. <laughs> oh, guys, okay. <laughs> Y'all are punny. <laughs> let's, let's get to the... We're going to end with these two comics. The the climax of the story. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this. I really think that the fight between Vader and moments kind of short. I was expecting a little more, but I also get to see Vader's just true, like utter, like screw you, middle finger to moment. I see it as like you know, in in these final pages that we have in this, there's two big things that happen for me. One is of course the the battle with moment, and then you have. Vader walking through the door and the exploration of what's on the other side of that door. And if I'm weighing the importance of the two of them, I'm okay with the distribution that we got personally. Oh, for sure. Like him walking through the door is like the epicenter of what this whole like story was, you know, basically about if I'm going to be honest, like the, you know, it's cool. Like Vader takes like, part of the tuning fork rock and like literally chucks it at like moment. Cause moment goes on this like normal v- evil villain monologue about how back in his day, the Sith were so much better and how like the, they should be all ashamed of themselves now and like whatnot, blah, 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 old people, whatnot. And Vader just like <laughs> throws a, throws a rock on him and crushes his face. And that's like the end of it. He's get, get off my lawn. <laughs> it's a very okay boomer kind of moment. Yeah, I I have to agree. I I really didn't mind the short length of the fight because it did for me accurately depict the differences in Sith generation and how much Sith have actually evolved in utilizing their resources around them and not just standing around and talking about it but you know like with with moment there's one thing that i I, i'm super super interested in moment as a character and one thing that i think is really interesting about him was that you know he his story was suppressed right 
and you don't get you don't hear about him in the holocrons or anything like that and for me i gotta wonder why his practices and teachings were so dangerous to the sith practice and i look at it and wonder is it because he serves the dark side of the force instead of trying to command and will the dark side of the force i thought that i thought that was kind of interesting to think about like why wasn't his story told right one of the things that i think we're kind of missing or glossing over there's a there's a huge theme that goes on through this whole you know through line through this whole story and that's the idea that like whatever you give yourself over to like if you, the like the more and more you give yourself over to that like you no longer are able to master it you be like you become the servant and it becomes the master palpatine says it like Moment talks about it and the annual Vader talks about it or like uh, Vader talks about it with Tarkin and how like he's investing too much time into the Death Star. Like this idea that like you like you no longer like, are able to control it like you become the servant. So we finally get to Vader opens the door in t- comic 24 and his body in, in 25, his body falls back, which is super epic, like the armor and like his like this meditation spirit thing that we've been talking about goes through. And you get like, you know how they always say like your memories like aren't actually like accurate. Like they're, they're, you know, sometimes they change, sometimes they're different. And like we get this nice, long, like basically inaccurate way that Anakin views himself like as he grew up like like to the point where he becomes Darth Vader. What were your guys' some of the highlights that you guys saw when he like finally steps through the door? I I think just getting to see, like you were saying, just getting to see his recollection of the memories, um, you know, his perception of the reality around him is so skewed by the dark side and getting to kind of see even the small smallest details of his meditative spirit being a child and walking through his adolescence and him believing that that has been there the whole time was so captivating to me. But I think the biggest part about this entire thing was Padme still choosing to like, like to not be with him. To, you know, because there's that moment in Revenge of the Sith where she's like, I can't follow you. You're going down a path that I just, I can't go down. And at the very end, she throws herself back off the balcony and you're like, she still wouldn't have chosen Anakin. And it was just this really deep realization for me of like, wow, he really is alone. And there's also a little horror element to that part too, where like, her eyes turn evil and then she starts choking herself so that like he can't like force bring her back up. So like she dies and then gets electrocuted. It's so like, there's a really good horror element to it. A couple of things that stood out to me. Well, one, like I love when he goes to the Jedi temple and he just fights off like every single Jedi that he's, I guess, faced. One of the things that stood out to me is like, did he actually kill all those Jedi? Because it's like Mace Windu's there and like, Yaddle is there. Um, there's a bunch of people where I'm like, and, and like he just like he wrecks them. But the the two moments that really stood out to me is like when he gets into the temple and Palpatine and Obi Wan fight, and then the very end when he like after Padme dies, um, 
there's like this blue light that we keep on talking about and there's like a figure and it's totally Luke and it just like blasts him back out the door and back into his body. So cool. So good foreshadowing. But to take it a step away from the intense and emotional, I have to point out all of the awesome like Easter eggs that are both kind of funny and like fan service at its best. And I know fan service is a negative term, but I think the way they use it in this comic are great. Like for example, Anakin is going through Tatooine. He's about to see this dark foreboding shadow of Vader. And he's like, stupid sand. Love that. And then you get into more of like depictions of him with Ahsoka during Clone Wars. Right next to it, him with Ahsoka during Rebels. Sorry for the spoiler this comic provided for you, Liv. And Oh, I already knew. It's okay. Okay, so you're at least good off of that. And we have to point out too... Him saying, let the past die, kill it if you have to. Chills. And you also get the highly debated scene where Palpatine is using, like, has, like, this force energy around Shmi, and, like, there's this fetus thing, and is it saying that he created, that Palpatine created Darth Vader, although the the people who wrote the comic and, like, the editor have come out and said that they never wanted to make a definitive answer because Anakin is high on the force and like we said earlier your your memories and can be misleading and the dark side can definitely be misleading as well all right guys any closing thoughts before we talk about you know just our favorite parts just uh just our closing thoughts so one one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I talked about was you know, you know, the art, the artists are presented with a unique challenge, much like in the Mandalorian as well. You know, you have to bring life to a character that doesn't have a face. Right. And you have to be able to articulate his emotions through body language, presentation, color schemes, like all of these different things. It's a symphony of all of these things together. And I feel like both runs did a pretty good job with that, but I felt that so much in the soul run where, you know, you could really, even, even though you couldn't see Vader's facial expressions, you could still see like the anguish, you could still see the pain and be able to experience that with him as you're reading through um, Dark Lord of the Sith, and I just I thought that was really, really well executed. I definitely agree on that. That's something that stood out to me, because in the films, you at least have the benefit of James Earl Jones is a fantastic voice actor, and he can convey a lot of emotion with that alone, but you don't have that in the comic. And I'd say, like, on top of your, what you mentioned with the color schemes and whatnot, the use of lighting and shadows really helps convey the emotion. Like, I just think of back to the Gillen run where uh, Afro mentions how Padme must be someone special. And you just see that shadow over Vader's face. Like, he's basically both angry and mourning at the same time. The way that they're able to actually present that for a character that doesn't have voice intonations because it's a comic and doesn't have facial expressions because of the mask is incredible. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know. Words can't describe how much I loved Charles Soule's run 
this is probably one of the only comics that I have literally gotten and had to, like when I walked out of the comic book store, sat in my car and read it before going home. Like that's how much I needed to know what happened. And then when I got home, I reread it again. Like th- this story when before we started podcasting, like this is right when this, like the story was coming out and this really, really reinvigorated my love for star Wars. Um, it, and it, like I, I've said it multiple times, like I have a, a Vader tattoo that is like if Vader didn't make it off of Mustafar from the lava, you know, the, the lava like destruction and like half of his face is a skull with like oranges and yellows like that. And like, um, and then the other half of his helmet and, and it just like the way that Vader is portrayed, you can't get anything better. Yeah. I, I have a love for Vader and I've said this before in, in our podcast, uh, for Vader less is, is so much more to me, just him not having a huge, huge amount of dialogue or just making his presence known is, is very big for me, but the soul run itself, while it kind of elaborates more than a lesser kind of point it really does give you that spiritual walk, whether positive or negative that Anakin Vader goes through. And I really, I enjoyed kind of that middle ground of understanding what that spiritual walk looks like, not just for Vader, but for, you know, Sith in general, it was a really nice bow on top of Vader, even though Vader would never wear a bow on top of his helmet. (laughs) Maybe he would, maybe for me. (laughs) <laughs> I'll ask him. <laughs> I just love how you got there. <laughs> I always find a way. Well, guys, thank you for checking out this podcast and listening to us discuss the second run, the Charles Soul Run. You can check us out at, at Podwars Podcast. Um, you can also email us if you have any questions or if you have any um, things that you want us to discuss at, at podwarspodcast.com or at, sorry, ask, pod, ask podwarspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at JTAUMAN5. Uh, guys, where, the, where can we find you guys at online? So you could find all of our links to our socials, our Instagrams, our Facebooks, our Twitters at bit.ly backslash links PNP. We're also on the red five network along with you guys. You can check us out www.red5network.com. And we have our very own website at www.pizzaandparsex.com. Sweet. Uh, be listening for us. We, uh, we're probably going to have hopefully a couple more interviews. We're going to be, doing some more plot hole segments and go and definitely check out pizza and parsecs. They deliver some awesome content. I love their comic reviews. Thank you guys. And have a great week.